the things I love about church and our church, I look, there, there's a lot of great churches in there, and there are a lot of great people and, and a lot of places that you can be. But the, what I love about our church is something that uh, when I gave my life to Christ, I, um, I was at a great church called First Assembly, and I just had a certain temperament. I was coming out of, um, you know, I played music and rock and roll, and, and uh, so when I got saved, you know, I thought, I, I, I was totally, uh, when I realized it was real, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to get into this. So I started reading the Bible, and I started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I started following the life of Jesus, and he's always doing stuff. I mean, he's healing the sick, raising the dead. He's casting out devils. You know, he's like, his team is always in some kind of an awesome activity. And when I went to church, as great as the singing and everything was, I was like, when are we going to get to do that the stuff, you know, the Bible stuff, you know, cast out devils, stuff like that. When are we going to do some of that stuff? And, I, and, and like, it, it came apparent that it was suddenly, I, I realized it was never going to be organized and that if there was going to be any of that stuff that was in the Bible, I was going to have to actually go do it. So I didn't catch an attitude. I just said, you know what? It's free. At that time, it was called Town and Country Parking Lot. So I said, you know, uh, Town and Country, you know, the guys would be cruising and boozing out there. I thought, well, there's some bad people. <laughs> they were just like me. And so I'm going to go hang out with those people. So I, we'd get a flatbed trailer, and, and I would get my keyboard, and, and I would sing a couple of songs, and I had the guitar player there. And then I would, you know, try to preach like the preacher and say, you know, bow your head and close your eyes. And, and when, when I saw these young guys out there in the parking lot, you know, start putting down their long necks, and they started giving their life to Christ, I thought, man, this is awesome. And so I hooked up with some friends, you know, I had a friend named Renee, and I hooked up with some friends, and we used to, we would go torment people in bars. So we were like, you know, I wanted to do what was in the Bible, so I can't do that in church, so I'm like, let's go torment some people in bars. And they had a, had a disco here at the time, I'll tell you how old I am, KC and the Sunshine Band, shake, shake, shake. They were, <laughs> so everybody shake, 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 so we said, let's go up in there, man. So we busted up in the, in the uh, I forget the name of, the, of it at the time. But anyway, it didn't matter because it was full of people, young people, college students. So we would go up in there and we were just like looking for someone to tell about Jesus. We are looking for some miracle to happen, you know, God to do something great. And when I got in there, I noticed like I thought I recognized somebody. Then I like, it was all the people that were in the choir at church. I was like, shake, 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 what is going on here? What is going on? I'm out here trying to reach people. I found the people that are already reached. <laughs> and then they spotted me out of the corner of their eye. And they just danced right off the dance floor. <laughs> they danced right out the door and right into their car. And we used to go talk to people at the brown door, man, and got, you know, people threatened to smack me in the face, spit in my face. I thought, man, this is it. This is the God. This is exactly what I read about in the Bible, but it never happens in church. Jesus never called us to come to church. He called us to go to the world. And I thought, well, you know, this is really, I know it's a crazy idea, but when I started a church, I thought, I don't really want a church. There's a lot of churches but if we're going to have a church, let's, let's go ahead and have a church where we all become a team and just do that stuff. And whether it's, you know, cooking dinners and having barbecues or whether you're going into the bar rooms like I used to do or on the streets, let's, let's know Jesus through doing what he did. Rather than learning and taking notes and having a passive life where we're learning more but doing less. 
And we all know if you eat too much and exercise too little, what happens? Everybody in Louisiana knows what, what happens, right? If you eat too much and exercise too little, you get where you can't exercise at all. And you're just hungry all the time. You want to eat more, but you want to do less. Well, that's what happens in Christianity. There's nothing wrong with hearing all the good things that God has for you. But here's the secret. If you don't give it away, you don't get to keep it. You only get to keep what you gave away. And Christians have just bailed on the giving away part. Like, I just want to hear more. Yeah, everybody you know, wants to get fat and do nothing. But it doesn't mean it's the healthiest thing for your life, and especially in Christ. You're going to miss all the good things that God has for you if all you do is hear about the theories and read about what Jesus did, and you never take a step across the line and say, look, it's, I might be awkward, but I'm going to just do this. You're never going to reach a generation, uh, the next generation because the generation after us, they don't want to hear about theories and ideas. They want to know, is there something we're supposed to be doing? And it's a great part of our life. Not is it only the great part of our life. It's the purpose. After you give your life to Christ, okay, you're going to heaven. So what's the rest of your life for? I mean, why didn't God just kill you right then and bring you to heaven? Well, it's because when you give your life to Christ, everything else has to do with what you can do for him. To really know him, you have to just put your Jesus shoes on. And you have to say, well, let's just go out there and try to do what Jesus did. And trust me, I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know how to talk to people. And it was awkward and embarrassing. And sometimes, you know, I felt uptight about it. But I thought you know, myself, you know what? I don't have to feel it. I'm just going to do it. But I'm not just going to be a scaredy cat and hide in church. With all this good stuff that we have, I'm not going to be a coward and call it Christianity. Jesus was the furthest thing from a coward. I mean, I'm inspired by the courage of Jesus. I'm inspired by how the religious people tried to shut him down and said, you don't need to be out there preaching those people in the bar room. Those are the people that crucified Jesus. He didn't get crucified by the Romans. He got crucified by the spiritual people who didn't like that he was actually doing it what they believed in he was doing it and he was making them look bad and they said we got to kill that guy and of course i've been trying to be killed lots of times because there's nothing more mean than a religious spirit and the only way to get rid of a religious spirit is stop talking about it and start doing it i'm not being mean with you i'm just telling you for your own good get off the bench man Get off the bits. The happiest people in Christianity are not the people that are learning the most. They're the people that are doing it. So I said, well, I got so many problems. I got probably issues. Here's the truth. Your life is going to become nothing but issues and problems until you get out of yourself and live for something bigger than yourself. And when you start believing you can do something bigger than yourself, everything's going to start falling in line. And you're going to find that it's like when you get the foundation right, everything falls into place. It's just going to work. How's it going to work? I'm so busy. Listen, put God's thing first, and you're going to find out that everything else falls into its place. I love this about this church and about my church, about the church of Jesus. This is what I love. It has a clear vision. I don't think you ought to ask a woman to marry you if you don't know where you're going. And I don't think you ought to ask people to come to your church if you don't have a vision. Why would you want to come to a church with no vision? Well, I just like to sing. Singing? Hearing? What about let's do something? What about let's make our life count? What about let's see you become great for God? Let's, what about you 
shuck off all those limitations and all those fears and all those infirmities and all that weirdness that's been in your life. And what about you become like Jesus and you become better than you imagine? That's what church is. People get to be like Jesus. People, ordinary people like you and me, weak people like you and me, somehow the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we get to be like Jesus. Listen, this is not a new doctrine. This is the Bible. This was the life of Jesus. Let's just read it. Matthew 28, 18. This is Jesus speaking to his church. Now, I didn't, let me just quote this before I read that. Jesus said, these signs shall follow, this is, this is Mark 16. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe, or my church. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt him. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Sound like any church you know? Jesus said, by the way, if you want to know the real church, they do stuff like this. Because they're going to be doing it. They're not going to be learning about it. They're going to be actually doing it. The power is not in the learning. The learning is in the doing. You don't know how to make a, you know, a cake until you make one. Right? Well, here's the recipe. I've been studying this recipe for years. Dude, get, a, get some flour. <laughs> Blow a couple things up. Come on, just make a mess. But you know what? Everybody else is still going to be reading the instructions, and you're going to know how to make a cake. I mean, thank God for YouTube. Am I right? I'm YouTube certified in anything. I did anything. <laughs> if I want to know how to put down like trim in my house, I just YouTube it. Like, here's how you do it. Because it's, I don't need to hear it in a book and learn it in a book and memorize it in my head. I need to get it in my life and find out how it works. I need to see that what Jesus did was really how to live. Matthew 28, this is what Jesus said. He said, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore. I love that. He in Louisiana, he says, so y'all go. Look at somebody and say, so y'all go. Jesus said, I have all authority, so y'all go. Don't come, don't come to church, go to the world. Jesus is real in the real world. Jesus works in the real world. Jesus does miracles in the real world. Jesus raises the dead in the real world. Jesus heals the sick in the real world. Jesus sets the captive free in the real world. Not just in church. The best place is where people are hungry and hurting for God. And that's why God has you in the full-time ministry. And this is the joy of your life. If you're not doing it, you're missing it. There's no huge pressure. This is what it says. He said, all authority has been given to me, so you go and make disciples of all nations. Stop right there. What? Jesus does not only believe that you can make a disciple. He believes you can make a disciple of nations. Now listen, your purpose is not something small. Your purpose represents what God believes you can do. And if it's not bigger than what you think, it's not your purpose. If it's not something you need the Holy Spirit to do, it's not your purpose. If, if, it's, not some, if it's something you feel like you can do, it's not your purpose. Your purpose has to do with a heart that's crying out to say, if God, if you don't show up, this is not going to happen. Read the Bible. Read the book of Acts. After the, after the gospel, there's a whole book of what? Acts. You know what that means? It's not an axe that you cut wood with. It means they got up and did it. And we have a whole book of how people responded to what Jesus said. They said, let's hook it up. 
And Jesus said, I'm going to be with you. Let's do this thing. This is the nature of real church. Religious church is all about coming, sitting, and listening, and pointing at people, and being better than other people. That's what religion's all about. It's all about making yourself more holy than other people. But Jesus was all about using your life to change the world. God said, I love this, you know, this woman Mary Magdalene. The Bible says Jesus cast seven devils out of her. I'm talking about a prostitute. I'm talking about a woman that you wouldn't let your kids hang out with. Jesus said, not only did he save her, but he cast the devils out of her. And he said, I'm going to use you. And when it came time to preach the first Easter message, he said, who can I use? Let me use that one right there. Let me find the woman who did everything that was wrong. And let me use her to bring the glory of the gospel to everybody else. i got to get to the verse. I'm just having so much fun. Because really, Christianity is fun. Religion is a bummer. I would rather open a bingo parlor than have a religious church. Just get me a job at Walmart. I don't want a religious church. I want to do what Jesus did. How about you? I want to do what Jesus did. I want to be Jesus to the world. I don't want to be some religious representation of who Jesus was or what we believe about Jesus. I want to be like Jesus to the whole world. This is what God called me and you and all of us to be Jesus to the world. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Look, Jesus said, you do it, I'm with you. You don't want to do it? Look, I know God loves you. He's with you all the time. But listen, if you want the power of God with you all the time, you've got to live your life in the context of his purpose. We are the body of Christ. That means whatever Jesus would be doing on earth, that's what we're doing. And we don't have to make it up. We can just read four gospels, four times. We see Jesus constantly moving, saying, who's hurting? Who needs a touch from heaven? This is my life. And all of us, no matter where we work or who we work with or what we do, all of us have the opportunity to touch people every day. A hug, an encouragement, a a moment at lunch where you can say, hey, man, are you okay? All of us, there's no reason except for we lost our focus and we said, I'm just going to come to church. We boiled down the great purpose of God to come into church on Sunday mornings. And of course, no wonder kids don't buy it, children don't buy it, young people don't buy it. People are like, really? We're going to church on Sunday morning, that's it? We're going to learn how to be good? Look, people want to be a part of a great revolution. One of the things I love about this church, let me say, side note, I know I got to finish soon. But look, I just love all the beautiful colors in this church. I don't care about people's race, but man, I just thank God that this is not a church where everybody looks the same. I really do. When we started our church, first started our church, before I actually started the church, I was, went to a, a prominent church here as a, a denomination and went to their beautiful building, met with their pastor, and I said, listen, I want to start a church. He said, well, what kind of church? He said, well, I said, look, here's the way I see it. If McDonald's has everybody, why can't we have everybody? If you go to McDonald's, you got rich people, poor people, black people, white people. How come on Sunday morning it's just white people? Then you go and there's a black church. What the heck? Jesus is the one that was, came to break down all these barriers of prejudice and hate and, and all of this racism. Jesus came and broke all of that and that you still have white church and black church? 
I, I, this is the first conversation. I told the guy, I said, look, I just can't live with it. So he said, what are you going to do? I said, well, we're going to start doing outreach in the project. He said, oh, it's not going to work. I said, it's not going to work. Why? And he said, look, you see that chandelier right there? It was in his foyer. It was a beautiful, you know, it probably cost 10000 bucks. He said, you see that chandelier? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, the people that you're reaching, the projects, he said, if they see that chandelier, they're not going to feel comfortable here. I looked at him and said, then why don't you take it down? Why don't you get rid of it? Because nothing is worth more than people to God. And we at the church, we should not live with the shame of racism. We should not live in the shame of prejudice and hate. It shouldn't be expressed on Sunday morning. That's the last time it should be expressed. It's the, look, in, in the world that we live in, turn on the TV, everything is about racist this, racist that, racism that. But it shouldn't be in the church. In the church, everybody has the same value. Everybody has the same race. It's one new race, a race that looks like Jesus and walks like Jesus and talks like Jesus. We were born to tear down the walls of hate, not to participate. That's not my message, but, you know. Three absolute undeniable truths about divine purpose. Number one, your purpose, if you choose to accept it, is to win the world. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Your mission is to win the world and make disciples of all nations. God has a big vision because he believes big in you. He's not criticizing you or trying to get you to work. He's trying to help you know him. You can't know him just hearing about it. You can only know him doing what he did you got to face that fear and face that schedule and all the excuses. You have to overcome it. Listen, you have to learn to live for eternity. When you leave this place, you're not taking your car or your house or your bank account or your whatever investment. You're not taking any of that with you. The only thing that you're taking with you into eternity is what you did for Jesus. You just need a wake-up call. Throw some wet, you know, some water on your face. And you need to just wake up and say, wait a second, none of this counts. The only thing that counts is what I do for eternity. One day I'm going to see him face to face. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'm making you ruler over many things. <laughs> Somebody said, I wonder if we went to the right church today. Well, I hope you did. Because Jesus isn't telling you anything to do to make you miserable. He's telling you things, just do it and you're going to find out how awesome it is. Just do it and you're going to find out how awesome it is to really feel the Holy Spirit come upon your life. Most people, their problems are self-inflicted. Their wounds are self-inflicted and they come to church to get healed of the wounds they did to themselves. They're not in the battle over souls. They're in the battle over staying saved. They're on the, on the defense. They're not on the offense. They're trying to keep what they got. Instead of take what Jesus gave them, they're trying to keep the thing that they've got. And they're doing a poor job of it. So all church is just, I'm just trying to hold on. And instead of taking over, they're just trying to hold Why? Because they refuse to enter into their purpose. They refuse to accept the mission. God believes that you and the power of the Holy Spirit can change the world. I don't know how that affects you, but it fires me up. That God said, I know it might sound crazy, but I believe that you can change the world. My Holy Spirit's coming up on you. You're going to do signs and wonders and miracles just like I did. And you're going to see that I'm going to use you to change the world. The fact is, you are changing the world or the world is changing you. 
You're getting more and more like them, or they're getting more and more like Jesus. There is no in-between. You're either taking over or you're being taken over. There is no in-between. There's no hiding out. There's only conquering or being conquered. That's the way it is. And Jesus said, I called you to conquer. Number one, win the world. Jesus lived it. Jesus taught it. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus commanded it. And those that followed Jesus, every one of his disciples understood exactly what he meant. They went to the whole world. Peter was crucified upside down. All these disciples. All these disciples. Because they believed it was the mission was to go. Many of them were cut in half and boiled in oil. You don't hear the rest of the story, but history tells us that these 12 disciples that heard what Jesus said, they said, oh, we're giving our life for this. And they raised up a church that changed the world. The worst thing that ever happens to a church is that it becomes so acceptable just to go and leave. Some people say, well, the church is doing good in America. We're really growing. No, we're not. Uh, Google it. You'll find out the church of Jesus in America is not growing. It's shrinking. Why? Because people refuse to do the best thing about Christianity. And that is God wants to use you. That's the best thing about it. That he didn't just say, I'm going to do it for you. He said, I'm going to be in you and we're going to do it together. And because of that, we're losing our country. And politics can't save us. And the media and the movies won't save us. The only salvation for mankind was the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. And you are the great stewards of that miracle. And you've got to wake yourself up. You got to say, I want to live for something bigger than getting a car and a house and surviving. I want to live for something greater than my own life. This is the church that I love. Jesus commanded it, his disciples lived it. The Holy Spirit was poured out to empower it. It was always God's dream that his Holy Spirit was coming up on every single one of you and that you were becoming a light to the whole world. This is God's dream. I believe in God helping you and God doing miracles for you. I believe in all those things. But you know, when I gave my life, when I gave my life to Jesus, truly, all my dreams really did come true. I knew who I was. I was connected to my father. And even though I was living in a trailer, it didn't change my life. My, I already had my dream. I didn't need a car. Everything about my life, my dream came true in one moment. And from that moment, I wanted to live to have his dream come true. The church is his dream. His dream that he would take ordinary people like you, some shy and some broken, and that he would do such a miracle in their life that everybody could see the glory of God. This was his dream. And he's just saying, come on, man, live for my dream. I can't give you all the points, but I'm going to just cut to the chase and get, read this last scripture. Matthew 6, 24, because it is true. Life is busy. You're busy. I'm busy. Life is confusing. Stuff is going. Money and work and kids. And believe me, just survival is a struggle. 
It really is. And you can have the best intent, but you just get overwhelmed by the amount of, you know, everybody wants a piece of you. And then you just want to rest and try to get away. I understand that's, that's true. But listen to what Jesus said, and we're going to finish with this. Matthew 6, 24 to 34. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In other words, money can't be the God of your life. You're either going to serve God or money. You can't serve God and money. You got to make your mind. You're going to live for God or you're going to live for money. Therefore, I say unto you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or weep or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? And consider the lilies of the field. They grow and they neither toil or spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, seek the Gentiles. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. One version says, even before you ask. But seek first. Say that with me. But seek. Say it again. But seek first. Say it louder. But seek first. Now just say the word first. First. Jesus said the only way you can live for me is understanding divine priorities. You got to make something first. When Jesus is 12 years old, he's separated from his parents. He's found in the temple. And his parents says, what were you doing? You worried us to death. And Jesus said this, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? You know how you do the purpose of God? You find the I must. There's a lot of things you want to do. There's a lot of things you might need to do. But there's only a couple of things you must do. You must affect eternity with your life. You must affect eternity with your life. You must affect eternity with every day that you live. There's only one must in this life. And it's your father's business. Look what he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, let's paraphrase it and say God's thing. Seek first God's thing. And what does he say? In all these things, say it with me, all these things. What does that mean? Healing. I, I, I believe in praying for healing, but don't be obsessed with getting healed. I believe in praying for blessing, but don't get obsessed with getting a blessing. I believe in being out of debt, but don't get obsessed. Look, it, you being out of debt doesn't affect eternity. You having a new house doesn't affect eternity. You having a new boyfriend, a girlfriend. Uh, look, God knows what you need. And here, I'm finishing with this simple thought. God is asking you, deal or no deal. Deal or no deal. Here's the deal. If you will take care of my business... I'm going to take care of your business. 
deal or no deal. Look, everybody's got excuses. Everybody's got a complicated life. Everybody's got everything super complicated. I get it. But here's the secret to life. Jesus said it's this. Let's make a deal. You take care of my business. I already know what you need. I'm going to take care of what you need. You know, I believe we should walk in faith, believe God for great things, believe God to do great things. But listen, the best way is to use your faith is how Jesus used his faith. He didn't use his faith to get a new car. Nothing wrong with wanting a new car. But he used his faith to get a new soul. He used his faith to produce something in eternity. So here's the deal. God is saying if you will use your faith to produce something eternal, I'm going to take care of your car. Don't worry about your car. If you take care of doing what I'm asking, I'm going to take care of your kids. Don't worry about your kids. I got your kids. You got to occupy yourself with one great mission, and that is my life. I'm here today to change the world. The Holy Spirit. Listen, if maybe you're just a barely a Christian. Okay, man, here's the deal. Give your life completely to God. Become a disciple of Jesus. And you're going to see the power of God flow. It's going to come upon you. And you're not even going to recognize yourself. Don't be confused. God called you to a supernatural life. He called you to live in the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And God has a dream that you're going to step out of that ordinary life into something super special. This is the church that Jesus loves. A church that's not afraid. A church that's not hiding out. A church that's not making excuses. But a church that's full of the love of God. Full of the fire of of God, full of the power of God. Isn't it true? Deal or no deal? Like when I heard that deal, Jesus, when I heard Jesus say, if you take care of my business, I'm taking care. I said, deal. I don't want to have to worry about how I'm going to make ends meet. I don't want to have to worry about how I'm going to take care of this and that and this is broken and that's, I don't want to have to worry about all that. I'm going to worry about one thing. I'm not going to worry about it, but I'm going to focus myself on one thing, and that's on the divine call to touch people. This is how Jesus lived his life. And from this day on, this, in your mind, I want this to be the way you think of church. People who join together to change the world. How do we do it? How do we do it? Well, that's why we have, we have small groups, because it's difficult to do it by yourself. So we have small groups called life groups. And those groups are organized to help us together reach people and disciple people. It's simple. You say, where'd that come from? Jesus lived in that in a small group. He had 12 disciples. He said, this is how you do it. You gain everything, but you're just a piece of the puzzle. But you can join with some other people. And you together can become a passionate force for God. This is God's dream. It's not difficult. You say, I'm going to be focused enough to say, from now on, I'm taking the deal. And I'm going to find, I'm going to hook up with the people that God's hooked me up with so we can do this thing for real. What I love about the church, it's real. When you do it, it's real. It's real. It works. But you got to do the work. You got to make the choice. You can't stand on the outside looking in and clapping. You got to say, look, I'm in. I'm in. Your eternity when you face Jesus one day, he's going to ask you, what did you do with the opportunities of liberty and freedom and blessing that you had in America? Don't tell him I went to church. Say I took what I had. Don't say I raised my kids. People without God raised their kids. Love their kids. Take care of their kids. Say I impacted eternity with my life. And you say, well, I don't have a lot of talent. Well, look, man, be an usher. Not, not that that's a small thing. But find a way to change eternity with your life. Make it your every day. Open your eyes. People around you are all needing a touch from heaven. 
Learn how to spontaneously just pray when someone says, I'm struggling. Don't say, dude, that's a bummer. <laughs> Learn to say, well, can I pray for you right now? And you're like, ooh, that's scary. It's only scary when you don't do it. After you start doing it, you're like, dude, that was awesome. I'm going to do that. You know, even if, if, even if this is like your second or third time coming to church, maybe you just gave your life to Christ. You're like, what does that mean to me? Perfect. Because all your old friends, all your drinking friends, all your smoking dope friends, you just go to them and say, look, I don't know what happened, but I was at church and God touched my life. I know it's real, man. Look, you become the best, the best witness of all because it's, it's your life becomes the, the reality of who Jesus is. Never disqualify yourself or your testimony. Always say, you know what? Somebody today needs to hear what I have to say. Listen to God. Your life right now, as a part of the church, your life is becoming supernatural. Can you stand up with me? We got to go. Just stand up with me. Everybody just stand. We're going to just pray today. Thank you for bearing with my joy today. This is, my, this is my joy. This is what church is. If you don't mind, just lift your hands to Jesus. And I want you right now while you're lifting your hands, even if you're not a Christian, but God was speaking to you while I was speaking, the Holy Spirit was saying, I have a better life for you. And every single Christian in the room, just lift your hands. This is a sign of surrender. It's the international sign of surrender. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, on the cross, you were there for me. You sought me, and you found me, and you saved me, and you gave me eternal life. And I am forever grateful. Now, I'm here for you. What do you need? What is your dream? From this moment on. I'm not living for my dream. I'm living for your dream. Let your dream be in my heart. I trade all of my dreams and all of my distractions for one great dream. Come on with your hands that say, I was called to be a part of the team that changed the world. That's right. Say it again. Say, I am a part of the team that in 2019 changed the world. I don't know what part I'm going to play. I just know wherever I'm needed, I'm in. I dedicate myself. I commit myself. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender.